Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Dream Team Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jake Schultz, and join with me once again on the interwebs, Zulfi Shake. What's up, what's up? And Spencer Kloss. Go Raptors. I lo- Wow. <laughs> Not a Homer entrance whatsoever. I like how we're all, like, banging our heads, even though we can't hear the intro. <laughs> Just we, a little peek behind the curtain. We know it's there. Yeah, we, we know it's going to be there in the post-edit, so we're just ready for it. Yeah, no Dan Ramos again today, once again. We miss you, Dan, as always, just on one pod, off the other pod, on one pod. So that means he'll be here next week. A busy guy. Yeah, he's grinding. He is grinding, and we love him for that. But we got to grind away this past week of NBA action, because not only did we get our first full week of action, we had a trade almost... A couple days into the season starting, we heard all the drama with James Harden the entire offseason, and then apparently he wanted to go on the road trip with Philadelphia to start off their season, was not allowed on the airplane, okay? Then he was at the home opener, sitting on the bench, and literally a day later was traded away to his team of preference, the Los Angeles Clippers. Let me just run over this trade for you guys real quickly. The Sixers received Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, KJ Martin, KJ Martin, and multiple picks, including 2026 first round pick from OKC, 2028's first round pick, two second round picks, and a pick swap as the Clippers received James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petruzov. <laughs> Who is that? They already flipped him too, I'm pretty sure. Did they? Okay, well, goodbye to him. He is irrelevant in this trade. So, it finally happens. James Harden is reconnected once again with Russell Westbrook, this time in L.A. with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. we got to run down this trade. Zulfi, who do you think is the biggest winner and loser of this trade? Or is there a middle ground for both? Uh, I think there's a middle ground in terms of how the teams came out in this. If there is a winner... It is clear-cut, without a doubt, James Harden. He gets exactly what he wants for the one billionth time. I don't know how he does it. Like, Brian Windhorst said this as a joke that, like, after he retires, James Harden should start a consultancy, like, firm. And he's not wrong. James Harden has demanded trades, like, like every season now for what? It feels like three years in a row, at least. Four. And he gets exactly the... Yeah, four. So he gets exactly the situation he wants. He gets to go where he wants. He gets paid what he wants. He's probably going to get a long-term deal from the Clippers now. He's going to be at home in LA. He's been in the best situations he could ask for. And he just constantly does it again and again. And it's it's actually wildly impressive. And he burned a bridge with Daryl Morey so bad. But Daryl Morey still capitulated and traded this guy to where he wanted to go which is insane to think about. So James Harden is the winner of this deal. I'll get to my thoughts and actually how the fit goes in a second. But just to start off, if there's a winner, it, it has to be James Harden. I agree. It has to be James Harden. Like, I, I feel like he just stole the words right in my mouth. Like When I was thinking about what I want to say, I pretty much in my head said exactly what you just said out loud. So I can't really add much to it. He got exactly what he wanted again. And uh, he got traded to his team of choice. So there you go. Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey's the only loser here. He has to yeah. be like on the complete opposite end. 
That's what I was going to say is that the complete night and day difference here between Philadelphia and James Harden and Damian Lillard and Portland and that whole unfolding situation where we knew exactly where both of these two superstars wanted to go. One ended up exactly where they wanted to. The other didn't, but ended up still being happy. Just very weird that it actually ended up happening the way that it did. I look at the trade in general. My original thoughts, my first official thoughts is that I, it's a weird trade, and I don't think really that the Sixers got that much. Like, they got a bit more depth, okay? Like, Nicholas Batum, we've seen what he can do every once in a while, just don't play him in the fourth quarter. Marcus Morris is good every once in a while. Robert Covington has just, it's Robert Covington. And then you got two first-round draft picks, okay? You got OKC in 2026, which they should be better by then, so that first-round draft pick isn't great. And then the 2028 one. I don't know. I just don't think that the depth is great for Philly in return. But also, I don't really still know how James Harden is going to fit on this team. There's three ball handlers on the Clippers that need the ball in their hand all the time. You got Kawhi, you got Paul George, and you got Russell Westbrook. We saw it last night at the time of this recording against the Lakers and Clippers that Russ wanted the ball at the end of the game and hocked up an awful shot and they lost the game. And that could easily be James Harden now where you're going to add a fourth person in there. And it just feels like this is a volatile situation also waiting to happen. Like you put him in a situation where he was already being volatile to him push to another situation where he's going to have to take a back seat and be the third option because I don't think Russ will be the third option with James Harden there. It's a weird situation. And I don't really know where I stand on all that. Yeah, it's fair concerns. I want to go back to Philly for a second. I think you're right that they didn't get the depth that they obviously could have wanted out of James Harden. He led the league in assists last year. Like He was still good, so you didn't equate equal value. But again, James Harden completely tanked his value, so you couldn't really get much out of it. So you got two picks that honestly are going to be juicy. Like a Clippers first-round pick in 2028, this team is like a couple, like maybe one or two seasons left of contending, and they're going to probably completely blow it up. So those, that 2028 first round pick is probably going to be a lottery pick, if I had to guess. And KJ Martin is probably one of the actual contributors out of this trade. Him and Marcus Morris are going to be probably players for them. The rest, not really. So they didn't get equal value, but they got enough pieces out of it. And they're probably going to try to flip some of these things as well in the future. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, but in terms of the Clippers, you're right that there's a lot of ball handlers, but the way I see it is that Russ gets pushed to the bench. James Harden, he's just going to be a point guard. And we saw it with Philly. He can still be an elite, elite point guard. He's just not an elite, elite scorer anymore. He has those bursts. He had that 40-point game against the Celtics in the playoffs, but he also had a bunch of stinkers, especially that elimination game against the Celtics. So I think you have two guys in Kawhi and PG who are like, the ultimate versions of 3 and D, they're obviously way better than 3 and D players. They do much more than that. But like just basically the skill set of being two-way players who can work off the ball if they need to and get if you get them open shots, they can get Kawhi shot like 40% from 3 last season. He obviously didn't play that many games, but he was elite efficiency from 3. We know what Paul George can do. And if you take some of the load off them, I think that's the biggest thing out of it. James Harden, when he, like the thing about him is he is reliable when he's out there. He doesn't miss games often. He's like kind of an Iron Man, to be honest. He plays as much as he can when he's out there. So but he, if he's out there one night, it's going to be like, you know how back in the day Shaq and Kobe would be like, one night it's your turn, one night it's my turn? It's probably what this Clippers team is going to be. Like Kawhi, PG, and James Harden are just going to like take turns when they want to play and when they want to sit. So it's going to like help them like load management wise. So I don't know how the actual like X's and O's work out, but I feel like if James Harden just takes that role of point guard and doesn't worry about scoring, it should be fine, like all things considering. Can I just quickly read to you guys the remaining draft picks at the Clippers zone? 
Go for it. It's not a long list, so. <laughs> 2024 second. A 2024 second. 2030 first and second. That's it. That's all their picks. They wow. literally, they're, they're playing 2K, my GM. They have traded away all their picks. They now have so many all-stars. They, they just, they better win a championship in the next two years. That's all I'm saying. I think that's why they made this move, though, because, like, when you already went all-in with Kawhi and PG, and you know that was an all-in move, obviously, and it hasn't worked, then, like, really, what other choice do you have right now? Like, are you just giving up in the Kawhi and PG era? Probably the best era you've had in terms of talent. I don't think that's the right move either, because then you're going to complete tank, especially with a new arena on the horizon, like, next season. You're going to ask fans to start paying even more money to watch a markedly worse team? Probably not. So you go all in with the James Harden move. And, like, again, in terms of marketing, this is probably the best-case scenario. You have four dudes who are, like, literally L.A. guys. These are four probably the best L.A. name talents, like, we've seen in ages. Like, honestly, other than, like, DeMar DeRozan and a couple other guys, like, these are probably top four, top five L.A.-based basketball players to come out and now they're going to be playing at home in a new arena i think that's part of it as well so i think they have to go all in they really didn't have much choice other than blowing it up completely so i think this was probably the best thing they could have done to be honest to change the status quo you mentioned though that this is going to be their last or that james harden might get a big long-term contract off this do you think that really though because there is a chance that this could be it like, I know you mentioned the new arena and everything like that, but this could be the last ride for this Clippers core, especially if one of Kawhi or PG get hurt or both get hurt. I There's a they're bit also, in They're me. also both free agents. I don't want to interrupt, but they are both free yes. agents, which is a big question mark. So are you really wanting to be giving Harden a big contract if you end up losing one, two, or both, or they all get hurt? If, I think it's an all-or-nothing proposition to your question. I think it's either you pay them all or you pay none of them. Because like, if you just pay one of them, it literally makes no sense. You're not doing anything. If you pay two of them, you're back to where you started. And then like, really, you're not improving your team by any means. So it's like it's either you completely tank after the season and you let everyone go for nothing, or you go back all in on these guys. You're like, hey, somehow the State of Clippers went to a conference finals. You're like, this three, like, ten, like trio can work, and then we'll build around them. Like, I think, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's going to be an all or nothing proposition at the end of the day. Yeah, I do agree with Zolfi that they had to make this trade because those two picks don't mean much. But they, they have to sign these guys. Like, if they let them walk for nothing, they will be the most poverty franchise for the next decade. So, like, they have to either turn these players into assets or just sign them and, and just run it back, like, three or four times and just go for a chip. How close do you think those chip odds are going to be? We saw that the odd boosters have now made their odds a little bit better to winning the NBA championship. But for a team that's made the conference finals once in their entire existence, do we see them doing it again in yet another stacked year for the Western Conference? If everything goes well, I, I see it, but that's a big question mark. Will everything go well? There's injury concerns. There's, there is like I think he'll be a good fit on the court. Um, it's just off the court, I guess. I guess Kawhi is not necessarily too hard to get along with. It won't be like KD and, and Kyrie and James Harden, but I can't ignore the track record of James Harden just going to teams and then there being locker room problems. So I, I have to also acknowledge that. I don't, is it is it locker room problems or is it more so just like 
front office. Pro- I guess with the 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 net situation, it was a bit of locker room. Clearly, him and Kyrie didn't like mix as well as they thought. But in the Sixers, it definitely wasn't an on court or thing. It was more like a him and Daryl Morey thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I kind of just put the two together, but they also. Yeah, they just they just did it like what? How many games they lose in last year? Like they just they never they never did anything. Like people always now bring up the argument that Joel Embiid's never won an important game in his life, and like he's never made James it to Harden the second round. Of that, so or like out of the second third round, round. I mean, he's yeah, never, second, yeah, he's never. He's never uh, also, to uh, correct myself, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were free agents in 2025. They have player op- options next season. They're probably going to take those options because it's for a lot of money and push for extensions. But I think that also plays to the whole James Harden thing. You probably want to have James Harden beyond this year because if those guys opt in, you're Kawhi and PG, you're going to want James Harden along them. So you're probably at least going to give him a deal that matches their timeline. So like a three-year year deal or something, if I had to guess. Yeah. I would say that's probably makes the most sense. I'm interested to see how this team works out for the rest of the season. Kawhi said he's done resting. He said, I'm over it. I, I'm playing all, all 82 games. That's probably not going to happen. That's probably well wishes, Kawhi. Uh, grateful thinking there. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that they're going to be a fun team with Harden. I just don't know what the end goal is because, like we mentioned, if Harden has requested a trade three times beforehand, like literally since the decade turned 2020, this guy has just been like, I don't want to be on this team. I don't want to be on this team either. Nah, this team's not very great. We could just be seeing Harden go to his a brand new team next year, and it just could be the same situation all over again. So I think they'll be a fun team to watch. Do we think Philadelphia is going to be immediately just a second round exit and that's it again? Or do we think that Maxi's actually going to take that next step and help them push beyond what they are right now? If I had to guess, I would stick with the second round exit just based on like the competition in the East. Like a lot of things would have to break right for them seeding wise, matchups wise for them to make it to the conference finals. But I think, again, Tyrese Maxey is probably going to take that leap. He looks phenomenal this season so far. Also, like, he is yeah. top five in MVP voting so far, like, uh, based on, like, the basketball reference, like, MVP tracker. That's how good he's been. It's obviously, like, not even 10 games in, but he's averaging, like, 30 points a game. Let's see if that keeps up. Probably not. But he's been awesome. I think he is going to take that leap, and he is going to make this team better. But just the competition at the top of the East is so tough that if I had to put money on it, I would say probably the second round is still their cap. Yeah, I think it all depends on that second round matchup. It's probably going to be a tough one, so um, I don't see them making it to the conference finals in this Eastern Conference either, to be honest. I do want to shout out, before we move away from Philly and the Clippers, Kelly Oubre Jr., who's had a really, really solid first week coming off the bench as a six-man. I think we should look out for him as possibly being a six-man of the year contender. I know they put him in the starting lineup a game ago, but... I don't see that happening. I think that he's way better off as a six man. And it's good to see because this is a guy that's been thrown around in bad spots for the last couple of years. We all know he is a baller. He just hasn't really had a spot to show it. So I'm really happy to see that Kelly Oubre is getting his flowers this week. Yeah, good for him. He got signed there on a minimum. Like nobody wanted yeah. him. Like literally nobody in the league cared about having him on their team. And the Sixers picked him up for nothing. And now he's a, like a real contributor, which he was last season too. So it's weird. So good for you for shouting him out. Yeah, he's almost 20 points per game in this first three games. Like, that's pretty good for a guy who is just known for being the sexiest man in the NBA. He's a good-looking dude, man. He is a pretty guy. We're all about hey, shout-out. 
Charlotte looks bad without him too. That's true. Charlotte looked bad with him. That's how bad Charlotte is. Yeah. <laughs> the Warriors looked bad with him too. It's uh, it's weird how his spots didn't work out. I think it'll be it'll work out well. And also shout out Danny Green. God bless you. Came and played to Toronto one last time and then got cut. Came to play for Nick Nurse and then uh, unpacked ninety percent of his stuff and then was gone. Cold, cold world. The NBA. Let's transition now to the Toronto Raptors, who did not get off to the 7-0 start, as I predicted. They are currently sitting at a 2-3 and record, coming off a big, big win last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. They blew them out to everyone's surprise. And we were going to be coming into this podcast talking about their front court offense and how historically bad it was at the rate it was going but i think things have changed a little bit more at least in my eyes here so i'm going to start with you first spencer i'm not getting to zolfi first because he's the hater in this group so i'm going to let the one with a bit more positivity speak first spencer what are your thoughts on this team throughout the first five games of action so i'm going to come in real baseline first and just say I think they're doing okay because if I were to look at the schedule before the season started these first five games, I would have thought they're probably going to be three and two because I would have liked them to beat Chicago and Portland, but I would have expected them to lose the Bucks. So two and three is a bit under expectations for me, but that's okay. Um, Scotty Barnes looks awesome. Uh, he's really developing a three-point shot, it seems, like at least some games, and that's kind of the problem with the team too is that everyone can uh, shoot threes some games, they um, they have the talent to be good shooters, but someone like Gary Trent Jr. just can't hit any threes. Um, Grady Dick, is he looks some games, he again, he can hit threes. Some games, he's, you know, I think he was, what, one for five yesterday from deep or something like that? I didn't honestly get to watch the game because I had class at night, yeah, believe it or not. But, um, yeah, they look okay. Their defense is awesome. Their half-court offense hasn't been so great. Looked a lot better yesterday. They were hitting a lot of threes. Will they do that every game? I can only hope so, but I don't know. But uh, I can already see Zolfi shaking his head, so I'm going to swing it over to him. Oh, God. Look, I'm not hating on this team. I want to put that out there. I'm a Raptors <laughs> fan. I enjoyed Raptors basketball. But like the realist in me knows that, like Spencer said, like coming into the season through these first five games, Around 500 is is what you should have expected, and that's kind of what we got. What I do like to see from this Raptors, before I get into the concerns, is they have an identity, which they should have had last season. They didn't, and Spencer has said this repeatedly. There is no reason that team last season should have been bad on defense, but they were, and you can attribute that to multiple things. Was it lost the locker room? Was it the Fred issues? Whatever the case, we don't know, but clearly like we know defense is effort, and it wasn't there, but this season, they have been phenomenal defensively. Their defensive rating right now is 7th, and should honestly probably be even higher. I can, I want to confidently say I think they should be a top 5 defense in the league, and I think yeah, that's I good. They have an identity now, which they should have always had, which is we're going to be a really, really good defense, and we're going to scrap like crazy to try to get our points on offense. So that's number one. It's good. They have an identity. You know what this team is like titled as, and you know what to expect from them for most nights, which is really important to have for a team like this. But we, like Spencer mentioned, there is the the big concern here is that half court offense, and I think this this season's team, the trigger word is going to be points per 100 possessions in the half court or like half court offense is going to be a trigger word last season the trigger word was vibes it was the vibes in the locker room all we heard repeatedly was vibes 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 how good can this team be with a with a stuff going in the locker room 
this year's version of that is going to be half-court offense because all you've seen from the media so far and people covering this team is how abysmal they've been in the half-court offense. It is a genuine concern. To your point, uh, uh, Jake, they did look better yesterday before garbage time minutes came into account. They had 100 points per half-court like that offense, their first time this season being in triple digits. It's just when they didn't do that, this this game against the Bucks, which I think is a trend in the right direction, but it's also a bit of an anomaly. They're not going to play that well every game, obviously. Their average has been like in the mid to high 70s, which is like 20 points below league average. That's 20 points below their average from last season, which is saying something insane if you think about it, because their offense was not great last year. So I think that is a genuine, serious concern. And you can give me your thoughts on that. But I'm just happy this team has an identity. I'm happy to be very wrong about the Scotty Barnes leap being as insane as it was, because you're right, it was a super high leap versus what I thought was going to be a marginal leap. But I just think this team's going to be fun. They're probably not going to win many games, and that's okay. We'll get to Scotty in just a sec. I want to kind of talk about the week in general first. Okay, so they they looked okay, home opener, at least in my opinion. I thought that they looked okay beating Minnesota. Then the Chicago game was just one of the most bizarre, poorly officiated, horrible... Oh my god, my eyes just burned watching that game. You had to just wipe that game. That game did not really count in my eyes. You got nothing out of that game from either... Chicago or the Raptors like you just couldn't tell anything from that game the third game was regardless on a on a back-to-back after that Chicago game the Raptors looked a little bit better they shot very well from three and they lost okay you deal with it no OG that night it is what it is then Portland is that one game that everyone was starting to freak out about because they put up 91 por- points on a team that was O of three at the point they're two or three now but at the time they were really bad with a rookie who was supposed to be their star and they're just, Scoot Henderson's not playing the way that they're expecting. No Simons as well. So I understand the, the concern was that when that team looked really, really not great that game. But we also have to realize that this is a rookie system, right? This is a coach that is coming in there, a rookie coach, coming in and completely changing up a system that these guys knew for how many years? Five years now? You have th- three guys on that team that are used to that system. Four, if you count Chris Boucher that are so used to being in that Nick Nurse system and are now being asked to completely overhaul that with Darko's vision, that 0.5 offense, which clearly has a lot of turnovers. We saw it again last night, regardless of how good they look, they still turn the ball over a lot. And that's going to happen. And Pascal Siakam was at the centerfold of that discussion because it looked like he didn't really know what to do in that offense because, like I predicted, he was going to be suffering some touches, losing some touches to Scotty Barnes because that leap is there and we see that leap i called it i said 20.8 as his average i said that was going to be as it stands right now over five games 20 point or i said 20.7 he's at 20.8 that's pretty good like that leap is there but it's about that identity and building that identity and it was game four that everyone is freaking out about game four in an 82 game long season and i think that everyone just kind of had to pull back a little bit and relax and it's going to be up and down the entire time. This is not a contending team. This is not a bad team. This is a team that is going to be riding a wave of momentum the entire time up and down. They'll be like a roller coaster and it's just going to have to feel it out and see what happens from there. And I think that last night shows how high that this team can be when they believe in themselves. And this is a, the now this is like the standard point for this team. And they've done that. They can now look and Darko can say, look, this is what happens when we play to what we expect from our our roster. 
And they have that now. We've seen that. And we've also seen the lowest. So it's, it'll be interesting. I think that five games is an early season. And I like what I've seen in some points. Other points, not so much. Dennis Schroeder, I want to give him some flowers. This guy, the ultimate signing for the Toronto Raptors. We've talked about at length that we thought that he fit this roster very well. It, it doesn't prove it any more than 81 points and 46 assists in the first five games of the season. Just electric, shifty, something the Raptors have not seen from a point guard in so long. Just that burst speed. I love Dennis Schroeder. And yeah, I'm just, it's an interesting first five games for the Raptors, that's for sure. It's hard to take like real tangible stuff out of it because you're right, it is only five games. But this roster, like like you said, it's so up and down. Like it, that's going to be the entire season. They're going to look ugly some games and they're going to look like world beaters other games. So what do you really make out of that? But I think that speaks to this team's problem because like, like you said it yourself, they're not going to be a bad team, but they're not going to be a contending team. So where are they? They're kind of in the middle. Is that what this roster was built to do? Because it seems like when the moves were made by this front office, it wasn't made to be a middle of the pack team. They wanted to push to be more serious, but clearly that's not going to be the case. So at what point do you say, Hey, Scotty, here's the keys. Keep doing your thing. It seems like they've already done that a little bit, but I don't want to be that guy, but we're looking at the, I, I'm not looking at the end of the season already, but you already know who the free agents are and where this team's like roster is going. So I'm very curious what the, I, th- I think this season is basically going to be a precursor to whatever happens next. And based on what I'm seeing now, what's next is Scotty take the keys Sorry, other guys, Pascal, OG, like it was great having you. Like it's time to move on. I don't know what you guys' predictions are. What do you think? Um, I mean, as a Scotty Barnes fan, I would I would kinda like it, but I don't know how I don't I feel like in my heart they're gonna re-sign Siakam. I just that's just how I feel. Not necessarily what I want. I wouldn't I mean I love Siakam, don't get me wrong. But when you have like a, a guy in his early 20s that shows as much potential as Scotty Barnes like we've been like we haven't had that ever really like Vince Carter maybe but I don't remember watching too many Vince Carter games to be honest so it's just really nice to see and it's really exciting but I feel like they're gonna re-sign Siakam just in my soul I don't know why I think it just echoes the sentiments of what I said last podcast is we just kind of have to wait and see I think this is this entire season is going to be a wait and see approach. It's going to be riding the momentum of a rookie coach of a rookie system and seeing how the players adapt. And OG, I think, is more likely to be re-signed than Siakam because OG is still younger. But we also know what OG's ceiling is at this point. And I think that's, to no one's surprise, he is an elite 3-and-D player, but nothing more. And I think he's going to stay the same this year. The one that I, like, Siakam, we know that he will adjust to the system. I'm not as concerned with that. I think that it'll just take time for him and Scotty to work out because they can work together regardless of what people on Twitter say. Yes, they can work together. We saw it last night. The two fit very well together. They just got to figure out their roles while Scotty gets more touches. Gary Trent Jr., this is supposed to be his breakout year with a brand new system and a brand new coach after Nick Nurse dragged him through the mud last year. We knew there was no love lost between the two. Like Nick was constantly calling him out, and Gary has done nothing but disappoint for his first couple games. And yes, it's early. Yes, it's whatever. But Zolfi, you had him as your sixth man of the year, and Gary so far yeah. just cannot hit a single shot to save his life. Look, I'm willing to concede the sixth man of the year if they put him in the starting lineup. I think that is the ultimate solution, and I don't think it's a good solution because it means Dennis Schroeder goes to the bench. And the reason why I say that is because Dennis Schroeder right now is top 10 in the league in touches. 
you gave away Fred Van Vliet because you're like, this guy takes too many touches. He's not efficient. And granted, like you said, Dennis Schroeder has been awesome. And I'm not saying he's not. He's just so good of a player that I think it makes the most sense that if he goes to the bench, he becomes that playmaking hub that Gary Trent Jr. just hasn't been able to do. If you're playing with a bench unit and you're getting those minutes, Gary, it's not just to be a scorer for yourself, which ironically, you're not even doing that well this year. Your best scoring has come off the ball, getting passes from Scotty and Pascal. So you're not scoring for yourself. You're clearly not a playmaking hub because you haven't taken that leap in that sense. So with the bench, you're just not being that positive player that you need to be. And we've seen that. The bench has been abysmal, to be quite honest, for a lot of the season so far. So you, it makes the most sense that Gary moves into the starting lineup, in my opinion, plays with Pascal, plays with the Scotty. They get him those off-ball looks that he's like so good at playing with. And then Dennis can actually be a leader for this bench unit because that is what he is. He is awesome. He is so active on defense. And in closing minutes and lineups, Dennis is obviously going to be in there. But I just think this team could use a bit of that switch because I think that also clears up Pascal's role because, again, Dennis gets so many touches right now that it'll get more touches back for Pascal. Him and Scotty can work together because I think you are right, Jake. Pascal and Scotty can absolutely work together. And I think with Pascal getting a bit more touches and a bit more comfortable in the offense, I think that's what I would make the most sense. So my biggest takeaway with Gary is just that he is not that guy to lead a bench unit, unfortunately. And he hasn't taken that leap to your point. So I think the best thing for his game and for this team to get out of him is to put him into the starting lineup and sending Dennis down. I don't know what you guys think. I actually agree. Um, as much as I hate to say it, because I do really like Schroeder and like, but those nine assists per game would be so helpful off the bench. Like Malachi Flynn is not a playmaker. Like he's just not. Um, a lot of his passes are just like thirty feet from the rim, and he's just swinging it over to the other side. Like that's like half his passes. He does not playmake at all. Gary Trent Jr. does not playmake at all. Grady Dick isn't a playmaker. Um, and then uh, are, Dick has made he, some good good possessions. To be fair, he's recently. been the best of the three, but he's not going to charge on Giannis. Grady Dick is a really good basketball player. He's not a point guard, though. I agree with no, both yes, of these. He's very Grady good. Dick, yeah, he makes plays. And we can talk about Dick in a second. But, like, yeah, Spencer, go back to your point. And then, obviously, and then the other two guys off the bench are probably Boucher, and it seems like now Otter Porter, or I guess Precious Thank if he's God. healthy. So who on that bench unit is is making, like, getting people open and making plays? There's nobody. So, like, those nine assists that Schroeder provides so far, it might not be nine off the bench, or it might be because he might still play 30 minutes, but having, like, that early second quarter, end of the first quarter guy to just keep the offense going because I feel like that's always when we kind of just like don't score when that when we have to take both guy like both Scotty and Pascal out. I don't know how much they did it yesterday again I didn't watch the game but I just Basically remember the Portland it's game been, it's been Schroeder and then Scotty stays on for an yeah. extra four minutes or so and then Malachi comes in and I also just quickly Malachi Flynn as much crap as he gets and as much crap as he has been getting Last night looked great. Like, he was a dog on defense. It was the best game I've seen from him defensively ever. And Darko even did his, like, Zolfi's favorite cusping of the head yeah. thing moment with Malachi. So Malachi yeah. looked good. But, I, yeah, we know that Malachi is not really that second point guard on a team. Yeah, it's not that he's been yeah. bad. I just feel like he's more of a shooting guard. So that's... He's, been, he's been pretty bad. Like, I don't want to bag on the guy, but, like objectively he has been bad but you're right jake yesterday three steals four rebounds yeah, ironically still uh, still still a minus two in a blowout game but i think that just unfortunately that speaks to that was all garbage time that was all garbage time 
But that's what I mean. He's a he's a garbage time player, and in garbage time, yeah. you're still a minus two. Does say something. I think yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to bag on him, but his like plus minus his entire career isn't like minus two oh eight or two oh nine. Like with the Raptors, he has had more minus games than he has positive games. To be quite honest, which is just tough because I think the Malachi experiment is coming to an end. You're right, Jake. That like Scotty basically stays in, and he's quite honestly done a pretty good job trying to get the bench open looks. They just haven't been hitting the shots. Uh, yeah. But I think Dennis is a guy who can do a bit of both. He can score and uh, play make off the bench. So like to Spencer's point, like you just need somebody. And unless this team goes out and trades for a backup point guard, which they don't, I don't even know what assets they really have to do it other than a Malachi and Chris Boucher. Uh, I think that's probably one of the better solutions. But I will say, I the Raptors have more positive like to look forward to than negative. So at least they have that going for them. There's a lot to be excited about, which is what all we can ask for, really. Grady Dick has finally got his minutes under him. He looked really good in a lot of the games that he's coming in. And he was holding the team in there for like a couple runs on his own too, which is what you love to see. It's what he did in Kansas too. I'd love to see that. I want to quickly give Otto Porter Jr. Let's talk about Otto quickly because we've been asking for shooting for a while. And Otto is known as a pure shooter who is a smart basketball player, smart veteran who helped Golden State to win their championship a couple years ago. Finally got his first action for the first time in basically over a year he is ruled out tonight in the doubleheader in the back-to-back and they said it was rest which makes sense Starko said they wanted to ramp him up and give him some more minutes as it goes on can auto be that bench spark plug outside of say if schroeder goes to the bench do you think auto could be that sixth seventh guy off the bench that really helps that team out for shooting you already know my answer like few days ago in our group chat i was venting a bit about the raptors and i was calling for auto porter um so i'm really happy he finally got some minutes i guess i guess the plan was always for him to get minutes or maybe it's just mcdaniels has been bad but it seems more that the plan was always to just get him more ramped up and and get him more minutes so i'm really happy to see him off the bench he's just again having like three guards off the bench i just like having that that wingman who's just consistent and like a vet and i i love to see it so i'm i'm happy for him and i'm happy that Darko's giving him minutes because I think he's going to be huge off the bench, to be honest. There is no reason Otto Porter Jr. shouldn't be playing more minutes and more games other than the fact that he's just old, which is really unfortunate because, yeah. like, the only reason he's out and he needs to ramp up and take his time is because he's old. Like, he's not playing the second of a back-to-back. Why? Because he's probably really sore from playing his couple minutes from yesterday. But, like, he, like you said, Jake, he's a good, reliable shooter. Definitely damn more reliable than we've had so far. And he's lengthy and smart on defense, and he can be good. And especially if you couple it with the whole Jaden McDaniels thing just being a nothing so far, the guy has not scored a basket yet. And honestly, outside of a couple defensive possessions on Levine during that Bulls game, he hasn't looked like a lockdown defender either, as far as I've seen. So, like... You are like a serviceable defensive guy for the three and D part, and the three and three and D just hasn't existed for you. So, unfortunately, as good as the shooter signing looks, that one is a different conversation than McDaniel's one. But you do have Otto Porter there, so let him take up those minutes until McDaniel's figures it out, because you know what he can provide and contribute. So I think it's a plus, and finally we see that he gets a bit of run. And honestly, we have been asking for a lot of different things out of Darko and his coaching staff, but five games in, they've kind of done the things that you wanted to see. You're, we were complaining about Pascal not getting enough touches. Next game, he gets more touches. Complaining about Otto Porter not getting minutes. He got a couple minutes. Complaining about Grady when he had his couple minutes early on. He looked good. He should get more minutes. Grady's been slowly getting more minutes. 
all of this has happened within five games. So this coaching staff has clearly understood these things. It's not like they're idiots. It's their job, for God's sake. So they know what they're doing. And it's nice to see that what the fans are thinking is what this coaching staff is actually doing. And it's happening little by little. So, like, I think if anything, it preaches that we should definitely be patient with Ryakovich and this coaching staff because they are doing the right things. It's just it, it takes time. Yeah, it's the transparency that I've really been a fan of because we've seen Darko address the media and he's not, he's like point blank, he's telling you how it is, which I really appreciate because Raptors have not had that for a while. We'd see it in spurts where you'd have a really good game on the bench of someone and then he'd be benched for like six games in a row after that. And there, there's none of that here. Like we're, we're hearing everything that Darko is saying. He's like, yep, Siakam needs more touches. Yeah, I really like what Dick has been doing. We're going to play him a little bit more. Yeah, Otto Porter Jr. looked really good, but he's still pretty sore. So we're not going to play like that's good. It's good to hear that. And it's good to see that from that system. And regardless of the half court offense, it's going to take time. I like what I'm seeing out of Darko. I really do. Yeah. And I think that if it reaches to its max potential, which we all think that it can, even if it's not this year, future down the road with development players and even Scotty's development under him, hell, for five games in looking like an all-star now, I'm really excited for the future with Darko. I think it's a good hiring so far. Also, Darko yeah. had such a fantastic quote. Sorry, I just wanted to add, did you see his quote yesterday about the Grady Dick charge? They asked him like no. what he thought about it. And he was like, Grady Dick has a lot of, and then he paused. And then he's like, guts. He wanted to say, I'm just going to say, he wanted to say balls. Grady Dick has balls of steel. That dude took that charge. Darko wanted to say it. He wanted to say Grady Dick had brass balls and he couldn't. He just had to go with guts. But it was funny. Darko's a funny dude. And I'm just glad that he's appreciating literally every player on that roster, which like you said, Jake, haven't had that in a while. Yeah, I think it the, it just all falls down to he doesn't have an ego. And like it's so nice to see because I think that's what... I don't know, but I think that's what might have changed from last year. Is we have a coach that has no ego, and he's like, he just he's a smart guy, and he knows basketball, and he he's comfortable making his decisions based on what he sees, and I love to see it. So, let's move on to the rest of the NBA because there's also a lot to talk about. We've had some exciting games, whether it is comebacks of 20 points or more. I'm looking at you, the Suns. Whether it's 0 and 5 teams or 1 and 4 teams that are underperforming. I want to get into the biggest winners and losers of week one. And Zulfi, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to ask for your winner of the first week. doesn't have to be a team. Could be players. Could be player plural. Could be whatever. Whatever you think is the biggest winners or losers so far. Yeah, I'm glad you preface it with it doesn't have to be a player or a team because I am just going with all the rookies. I think this rookie class is a winner. They have been fantastic outside of really scoot henderson who's been struggling the other rookies have looked awesome you've seen Wemby; he has been such a fun player because he has slow starts which he's a rookie that's going to happen but towards the end of the games he is taking over he is showing so much poise you saw it in that suns game you have chet holmgrim who's just looking like an all-out beast i think chet holmgrim's in the mix to have a five by five game this guy does literally a bit of everything he is so good defensively he's going to be a future dpoi like just book it you have case and wallace looking great you have the thompson twins who are looking awesome also i'm gonna sidetrack for a second do you know what uh amen and oster thompson's like middle name is no it is literally x l n c the letters x l n c for excellence that's their middle name like google it like they're they're that's that's in their name it's awesome hey, it worked so 
Yeah, those guys are so good. Derek Lively in the first game with the Mavs basically proved that he probably should be starting for this team. He looked so good as a rim runner with Kyrie and Luka. You walk resume bad. Anthony Black with the Orlando Magic. There's been so many good young guys who are just showing this rookie class is legit. And there's other guys who haven't even got an opportunity yet. Kobe Bufkin isn't really playing for the Atlanta Hawks, and you know what he can do. We obviously talked about Grady Dick as well. His minutes are growing. So I just think this rookie class deserves to be given its credit and... Okay, I didn't even know the pun I made there. You knew what you did there. No, I you knew what you did there. Brady Dick is growing. That's what I said. He is growing. And put that on a graphic. He's he's spurting into a man. Uh, All right, you're you're carrying it too far (laughs) now. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Rookies, rookies have been really good, and I'm just glad to see they deserve their love. It's awesome. I have, I I have a tough decision. Okay, I'm just gonna say both. I want to share with the Detroit Pistons. They've looked not like a championship team or anything, but their young core is so good. You've already mentioned Thompson. Cade looks great. Jalen Duran looks great. Isaiah Stewart, I'm still going to say it. I still think he's a good player. Still very young, too. Um, but my my winner has to be the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic specifically because it seems like finally, they, it's early, but it seems like finally they have a good team. I think they'll be a top four seed in the West. Um, and if they do... And Luca keeps averaging what he's averaging, which is uh, 33, 10 and 10, basically, on 50, 40, 70 shooting, one steal. Like, he's so good. And, and he's going to win MVP, MVP numbers. Of course. Yep. So sure it might like the be. favorite right now for MVP. He should be. So um, it's finally his, like, coming out party. Obviously, not a breakout year because he's always been great. But at only, I think he's only 20, 24 still. I think he's a 99, which is crazy. Um, he is just so great. And he's Slovenian, I'm Slovenian. So shout out Luka Doncic. That's my winner so far. Yeah, before I get mine, I want to briefly go over some things. I think you're right, Zulfi. This rookie class is really good. We've been saying it all offseason. When we were watching the draft, when I was making all the graphics that draft night, when I was slaving away on those i'm like oh this guy's good oh this guy's good oh this guy like it didn't end it consistently kept going and they're all showing out minus scoot henderson which will happen scoot was always kind of a project ish player he was i thought was a bit better league ready than brandon miller who we also didn't mention brandon miller's looked pretty good in his first couple games this just the class is exciting and the future of the nba is in really good hands and they're really smart young players that come in and make immediate impact. Like go back even 10 years ago, we didn't see this ever. We never saw rookies come into the league and immediately making massive impacts. And that's what we're having now. And it's pretty exciting to watch happen. So I agree with you there. I think that's honestly like one of my biggest winners in general. I do think the Mavs as well, like it's about time. Luca has been there for it feels like forever. He's 24, like you said, like that. He's my age. That is ridiculous to even put into context there. And I think it's right. I think it's him and Jason Tatum are going to be the two MVP picks. They're going to be the whole year battling out, just as last year was Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. And we knew that basically from the start was was going to be the two of them. I think it's going to be set with the two of them the entire time. I'm a little shocked that Kyrie and Luca are working as well as they are, though, because last year seemed like there was a little bit of disconnect. But clearly, they seem to be f- to figure it out and work better. Do we think that that's going to stay consistent the rest of the season? 
And that's the biggest question about just the Mavs in general. Last year, they were looking good, and then they fell out of the play-in race. Like, they weren't even in the postseason. Like, that's how, like, bad things went for them at the end. I think that's uh, the interesting thing with this Mavs team. But I think they've kind of figured it out where Luka is that on-ball shot creator, and then Kyrie is a bit more of, like, a playmaker, to be honest. Again, him with Derek Lively has looked awesome as, like, a guy who's, like, a rim runner and lively, and he's just getting in those lobs. So, like... They've kind of figured out a your turn, my turn, but more efficient than some other teams have. So I'm hopeful on them. I think the Mavs deserve to have a good run finally, and I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I also want to shout out, um, this just came to my head randomly because we're talking about young players. There is a block, I think, in the very first game by Mark Williams of Charlotte. I don't know if you guys have even seen it. It's, it's like a snatch block. It's actually probably one of the nastiest blocks of all time. He's also 21 and looking really good, like a future even elite defensive player. So... I think uh, the NBA is in such good hands. Well, for my pick for winners of the week, a little bit of a surprise, big team no one knows about, the Golden State Warriors. Look, I'm not going to put what Draymond Green has said as the, the main factor of why that they're playing better, is that the vibes are back, the culture is there, they got rid of the toxicity, he's just basically subtweeting Jordan Poole at this point, let's not forget Draymond, you're the one that punched him in the face, so maybe look in a mirror next time as well, but the team looks great, for their first five games, like, they're in sync, they look like they're having fun, Steph is just having a blast out there every single game, he has not lost a step, 31 points per game in his first five games, like, that is literally peak Steph Curry and he's given that every single night Clay Thompson as well which we mentioned we were like he's going to be a massive x-factor on this team 45% field goal almost 17 points per game so he's playing at the efficiency that we wanted to see him play at and then Chris Paul the Chris Paul factor they tried to start him they went okay I don't think this is working and they put him on the bench and now he is that de facto second point guard coming off the bench like we all said that he should be and it's working. They're four and one. They just beat a depleted San San Antonio team. No, San. What? Who do they beat? The Kings. Kings Sac- I think. Sacramento. <laughs> too many. Too many S teams in the league. Uh, a depleted team, but they they look good every, night in and night out. They look stout defensively. Moses Moody has arrived. He finally has come out, and he's looking like a killer out there. And I just like the team. I think they're a fun team. They're like teetering between old and also young at the same time. But I think they have the pieces to also be there closer to the end. And they're certainly looking better. And they are performing better than another team, which other people were talking about. And that's the Lakers. And I know they won last night, but their offense has not looked too great. That's not my loser, though. I just want to kind of give a little bit of a nod to there. My real loser, I'm going to go basic. It's the 0-5 Grizzlies. What in the hell is going on? there like we all thought that Marcus Smart going there would have helped to at least fill somewhat of a void while Ja Morant was out and Desmond Bain is still playing really well Jaron Jackson Jr. is not playing well Marcus Smart doesn't really seem like he's like it's a weird vibe with him being there and they're just not even like losing they're getting blown out some games too like it's a weird weird look for this team that is Young, electric, exciting, and had that veteran presence in there while Job is out, and they're zero and five. They lost to the Wizards. Yeah, and I said the Wizards are going to win more than twenty four games, and I stick by that. But they they might win twenty five, and the Grizzlies lost to them. 
That just yep. says everything you need to say. It, it's weird because I feel like there's like almost a hangover for some of these guys from Team USA and the way they exited. Austin Reeves hasn't looked great. Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't even look great in the tournament. Hasn't looked great. Jalen Brunson, he does not look good right now. Like a good show. It seems like there's a bit of a hangover for some of these guys. Some of them have looked fine. But a couple of guys just haven't, and I don't know how much of that has played a role into it, but you're right. The Memphis Grizzlies, big yikes. Turn out uh, John Morant is really important to this team. Shocker. Who would have thought? But they definitely need to get it together. Otherwise, even though he's only missing 25 games, 25 games is a lot, but it's like a quarter of the season. This season might be lost if John comes back and this team is only like has like 10 wins or something. Yeah. Um, Desmond Baines look good, but like not even like he's been inconsistent as well so really they have they're actually a team that i think is lacking in identity right now without john morant so hopefully when he comes back it, it's not too late because zero and five is already a pretty deep hole to be in so i definitely agree with that yeah losing to the wizards and the jazz that's just it's got to be a, that's got to be a bad taste in your mouth and i the jazz are okay but like come on you're getting blown out to these teams like almost a 30 point loss you cannot be doing that do we think the loss of steven adams is a lot more affecting than we thought originally definitely yes because it's it's combined with like no Brandon clark as well so like your front court is just so depleted of like quality rotation guys who are going to be in there and they've done well they have other guys who have stepped up but it's just it's not translating to wins and then coming into the season, you're like, okay, having Steven Adams in the playoffs would have made a difference for them. So you're like, okay, you're going to get Steven Adams. It's not the fact that you just lost him. You lost him days before the season started. Like You thought he was going to be there. You were working for him to be there. And then things just didn't work out and he needed to have surgery, which he was trying to avoid. So like I think just like the mental like load of that, also obviously the player that Adams is, not having Brandon Clark, like his team is just depleted, man. They're hurting. I think that's a big part of it. And they just need to get healthy for everything to kind of work out, which is crazy because his team should be like a top five team in the West. While this is all happening, John Morant on Instagram Live once again has a tequila bottle, put it up to the screen, made a gun motion. Well, no role models. Oh, did he? He did. By, uh, sorry, by G-O-M-D by J. Cole was playing. And then when it said, this is the part that the thugs skip, he skipped it. So that is the live check on John Morant as the season is 0-5 for the Grizzlies. Good lucks for them all around. Good stuff by that team. Before, Zelfie, I get you who you're, as your face is insane right now, if everyone could see it. I had no idea that happened. Holy crap, Jaw. You, you can't the stop. the easiest thing in the world. Just don't go on Instagram Live. Someone delete the app off his phone. Put it's parental ridiculous. block on it. What are we doing? Like, Jaw, at this point, I don't even care if you're doing this stuff. You're a grown man. Just don't instagram live about it why is that so hard you're a multi-millionaire you're not going to get more famous by people seeing you on instagram live you're not getting clout from this job come on i can't say it any better than that zolfi before i get your your least favorite from this week i do want to give you the floor to talk about the wizards because like you said that they might win 25 games but you're also way higher on them than all of us were going into this season you had coach of the year you talked very highly of Jordan Poole. You picked him in your draft. So I want to kind of give you the floor and kind of have your venting period to talk about the wonderful duel that has been Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, the gift that keeps on giving to us as NBA fans. 
I already have my nickname for Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. It's the Toxic Brothers. Because that is what they are. These brothers just care about looking cool and playing basketball. Not about playing basketball well. That off the backboard pass from Poole to Kyle Kuzma when they're down 20 is hilarious. And I, I, like, I am not kidding you. Every day the Wizards have played, I have gone on Twitter looking at basketball. And I see a yeah. video on my feed being like, this is like genuinely hilarious that Jordan Poole would do this. The exact same caption, almost the exact same words, but it's always a new highlight or a new video of Jordan Poole doing something really stupid. That play against Kristaps and the Celtics when he's just like lazily getting up in transition, goes behind the back, turns around, tries to shoot over seven foot three Kristaps Porzingis, and he gets blocked. Like Jordan Poole clearly is just out there to have fun make money and play basketball he said it he feels his legacy is cemented because he already had yeah. a chip with golden state so like look i thought i'm not gonna try to be any meaner but kind of i have to be frank i thought the wizards would have more respect for themselves i thought as nba players they would care enough because talent wise they should be better than this i genuinely just think they have nba talent there is backup point guards galore rotting on this team delon Wright, tyus jones please for the love of god if they're gonna play like this get these two brothers on good teams they could be the raptors could use either Send of those tyus jones right to the raptors like right yeah. now don't even take back delon Wright. like his like ending tenure with the raptors wasn't great but he would be great on this team and in this offense so like they have talented players. They have guys there. They have a young rookie in Bilal Kulabali. They still have, like, again, Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma can play basketball well if they actually try. It just seems like right now they're not trying, and that is also a de uh, just a testament to the not-so-great job that Wes Unsell Jr. has done so far. I thought he was going to be in the Coach of the Year mix because everyone said these team was going to win, like, 20 games. But I thought they'd win like 35-40 and it'd be like like the Miami Heat back in the day with Eric Spolstra, those bad teams that he made look respectable. But that hasn't been the case. This team is on the trajectory to probably be historically one of the worst and most toxic teams, to be quite honest. They can't play a lick of defense, which again is an effort thing. And that comes down to your leaders. Unfortunately, your leaders are Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. And they just aren't trying. I, I still think they beat their over-under, to be quite honest, as ridiculous as that sounds. 25 is just so low. It just doesn't happen that often. They're also in the East. Like, you're saying they're going to be, like, that much worse than the Pistons and the Hornets? And with the way the Pistons have looked, sure, but the Hornets are still there. They're still bottom-feeder teams in the East. I think they beat the over-under, but I'm going to go to with just, just over. Like, again, literally 25, 26 games, maybe. You know what I blame this all on? They're missing their actual locker room leader. Daniel mother effing Gafford is not there. Get that man back. Heal him. Put him in like a cryo chamber and get that guy to feel better because they need him on that floor. He is their ring general. Save Daniel Gafford. Bring him to the Raptors. I'll take him too. Let Daniel Gafford play. Just let him cook. I want to see everything about Daniel Gafford. He plays defense. There's more I can say about literally anybody else on this team right now. Like they exactly. are losing by like 20 plus points on a regular like this team just doesn't like they're allowing teams to score like 110 120 points it feels like every game like they just don't seem to realize that that is half the basketball game they just care about the other half where you're putting it in the basket all right Tulfi, give me your big loser for the week look this is i wouldn't say it's a controversial loser but i will say so far a week in it is the milwaukee bucks they are 2-2, two two, so they're not like a 1-4, 0-5 team. But the Bucks have just looked completely wayward on offense. And when I wrote my Eastern Conference preview, shout out to Ron Observer, go check it out, I talked about one of the main things being their strength was going to be the pick and roll and one of their like 
biggest question marks was going to be Adrian Griffin being a rookie head coach. And that's kind of what's happened in like in the sense that like Adrian Griffin hasn't been able to figure out this rotation, hasn't been able to figure out how to get these players working together. And the biggest question mark is why are Giannis and Dame just not going pick and roll like 99% of the time? They have been, so Louis Zatzman tweeted this out, Lillard and Antetokounmpo have run 29 picks together. That is like ridiculously low league-wide. That is like 61st for a duo in the league. This is Giannis and Dane. This isn't rocket science. It would work really well in the pick and roll. Why is that just not happening more? I don't really understand. And like when Dame is coming around on those screens from Giannis, he's shot one three so far. And I think he missed it, but he just needs to shoot more too. And, like, it's just one of those things where this team just hasn't looked all together on offense. Chris Middleton, he was leading the team yesterday in scoring for, like, the first quarter or the first half. Had, like, 11 points. Didn't score a single point after that. Like, this team just seems to not have it together on offense. And my goodness, Damian Lillard is the biggest pylon, the biggest target I've ever seen on defense. He is getting hunted repeatedly. People are just, like, seeing him and, like, salivating. Scotty Barnes is just, like, seeing him and, like, yo... Switch me on to him. That's great. I will gladly go play against him. And also, Scotty Barnes was bully-balling Giannis, which is freaking insane, by the way. Like, that is something, oh, my God, if Scotty can do that to, like, bigs. But back to the Bucks. like, defensively, they just have such a glaring weakness. And we all said it coming in. We think the Bucks can hide it. We think he can be hit well on this team that has a Giannis, that has a Brook Lopez that can kind of play around him. Clearly, they haven't been able to do that, and it's it's a big issue. And then yesterday when something happens where, like, Giannis and Lillard had their, like, quietest shooting games in years like Lillard took like nine shots Giannis took like 11 or maybe even less and that was like some of their lowest numbers in the past like half decade like it's a real concern that this offense just for some reason hasn't been able to figure it out obviously it's only five games but am I stupid to say it shouldn't be that difficult like you have two top 10 players in the league like why is scoring hard for these guys especially when they both complement each other like hypothetically very well just going to a pick and roll one of you do what you do best, which is score the basketball. I I want to I can't say it any better than what friend of the pod as Barahani said yesterday while watching this game was that the Bucks offense is in molasses, and that is what I was surprised by the most is that team was slow, and that's just not what I was expecting from them. Like you have two electric, fast moving players, and they're not doing an offensive style that benefits it. You're right. Where is the pick and roll between the two of them? Like, where? what is happening with this team? We were promised this big, exciting team. Chris Middleton was not expected to be having this big role on the team. And then there he is yesterday leading the team in every single category. Like, it's it's a really strange thing. And yeah, a lot of that is how the Raptors game plan for Damian Lillard. And they were hunting him and killing him on the perimeter all game long. And it was, quite frankly, dire to watch. If you're a Bucks fan... My God, be on the lookout for that because that teams are going to just watch that and go, okay, and just keep copying it over and over again, screens left, right, and center. I'm not willing to blame Adrian Griffin on this yet as much as a lot of other Bucks fans are. There's so many Bucks fans that are like, whoa, this is all Adrian Griffin's fault, this, that. No, you can Adrian Griffin be at blame for the way that this team played defense yesterday? No, you can't do that. That's up to the main guys on the court. That's up to Giannis to be playing better and more smart on defense. And the team just looks lost. They look like they're in molasses. And it's really, quite frankly, odd to talk about. Spencer, do you have any thoughts on the Bucks? Yeah, they uh, they fooled me. I I was all over the Celtics, all off season Celtics. I love the Celtics. 
They're coming out of the East. They trade for Damian Lillard. They fooled me. I immediately switched to the Bucks, and now I'm uh, I'm regretting it because the Celtics looked a lot better so far. Uh, I think that's a great show because they should be much better. They should have not. As much as I love the Raptors, they shouldn't have lost yesterday. Like, there's no excuse to lose that game to a a, a team like the Raptors that's been struggling so much on offense. So. There's a difference between losing and getting your doors kicked in. Like that, that was a true. it was a beating. Like they just flat out are they're title contenders and they got beat by the worst half court offense in the league at the time. Like that is just th- that is unheard of. That doesn't happen. The Bucks and the Celtics are both old teams. That is not like a shocking statement. Only one of the two teams looks old. It is the Bucks. They look old, they look slow, which is insane because you have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Whereas the Celtics, like we'll talk about them another day, they look so electric, they look so put together. Everyone there seems to understand this role, which again, I don't really... You have four guys, uh, hypothetically, that need to figure it out together on the Celtics versus two guys on the Bucks. But for some reason, the two guys on the Bucks haven't been able to figure it out together. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's just play styles. But something needs to click for these guys. And again, it's only like five games into the season, like four for them, I think. But it sh- I just don't think it should be that hard. Like, really. Like, I know basketball can be complicated at times. But at other times, it's like, hey, we have. it's like having Kobe and Shaq. Like, it just kind of works after a while, doesn't it? Because they're just that good. I feel like that's what should happen here. But I think I get, clearly they have growing pains to work through. The only time Dame was effective yesterday is when he was hunting free throws. That's the only time that Dame looked like he was doing anything. They had really like a couple bogus calls where he was kicking out and landing on the legs, which... First of all, I thought the league got rid of those. I don't know why we're calling those anymore. There was two of them that happened yesterday for Damian Lillard. It's weird. It, I think it'll be a bit of an adjustment period, but it just it shouldn't look like this. They shouldn't be 2-2. Two and two. I, I was expecting them to come out of the gate 4-0, and oh, just like Boston. And yeah, it, it's a night and day difference. You, you worded it so much better. Two teams are old. One looks better. The other doesn't. And I'm concerned. I would be concerned if I'm Bucks fans. Like, you guys are riding a mountain going, oh my god, we solved all the issues. We got one of the best point guards in NBA history, and the two just haven't seemed to work it out so far yet. So they'll be a, they'll be an interesting team to watch. You want to wrap this up with our recap on our week for the Dream Team Fantasy Report? Wait, I just got to say something real quick first. There's one more loser we have to mention. Okay. It's Orlando Magic fans. Franz Wagner is not as good as Scotty Barnes. I heard it all last season. Eat that. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, you're right. Franz has looked really good. You know who's actually yeah. been a loser in the Paolo Boncaro has not looked great. I was, I know, I was gonna say that, but Franz, Franz is shooting below forty percent. All right, he's no Scotty Barnes. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah, none of those guys are Scotty Barnes right now. Though it's, it's basically Scotty and Cage from that draft class. Evan Mobley hasn't looked great. Jalen Green still, for some reason, is more sus than he is good at basketball. Like he's got his own problems. So this 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 draft class, which we thought was going to be really good, probably still is going to be. But right now, it's Scotty and Cade's show. Yeah, it's a weird thing to think about. Everyone thought it was a reach when the Raptors did it. Now look at them now. All right, Spencer, I'm coming to you for this because our first week is done for fantasy. And you played Zulfi in the first week. Give me a nice little recap of your team. Oh, well, I thought uh, Zulfi has some, some uh, players out. So I thought I could take advantage and, and steal a win from him. But um, I was winning all week. And then the last 
night on Sunday, Joel and B decided to go crazy, and and then Zolfi ended up beating me five four. But so far, I think my team's actually built well for fantasy. Like I have guys like OG and like DeAndre Ayton that m- you might not put in any you know top twenty five basketball player lists, but they're apparently very effective fantasy players. So I'm kind of glad we ended up doing this. But uh, I don't think my team is quite ready to, to win this league yet. I don't know what's going to change. It's the same team all year, but. <laughs> I don't know how I won. I genuinely don't. I'm very confused by it. I was down like two to seven for like most of the, the week. And you're right. It's probably the whole Joel Embiid thing. But like Jaw has obviously been out. He's not playing. Uh, Devin Booker hasn't played as much as he could have. So, like, those are two guys. Jordan Poole is just not good at basketball right now. So, <laughs> and then Evan Mobley as well. Like, I don't, I didn't, like, some of my picks aren't looking that great. Paolo, like we just mentioned, hasn't been that great. But I guess the guys who have been playing for me have been awesome. Like, Wembenyama has been good. Kawhi Leonard's been decent. CJ McCollum, he's top 10 in MVP voting right? Uh, tracker right now. I keep saying voting. The voting isn't happening in the MVP tracker. CJ McCollum's in the top 10 because the Pelicans are good. So he was a good pick. I think Spencer, in the long term, his fantasy team, way better than mine. Uh, but I, I'm i still glad I won, I guess. I don't really know what to make of this after one week. This team is really confusing. Yeah, you won 5-4. So it was like yeah. literally right at the very end, you just squeaked out the victory over Spencer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just... Jake, I know. I want to hear from you. You got dummied by the commissioner, Adam. So what happened there? Okay, so I lost 7-1. You want to know what the reasoning is? Let me just list you some of the players on my team. De'Aaron Fox. Oh, ankle. Did not return. Missed a couple games there. Hey, Bradley Beal. What's going on with you? What is this? Like, literally, you're just not playing. Oh, your back hurts. Oh, poor little Bradley. Every single game. (laughs) Missed every single game. Zion Williamson, rested. That's fun. Brandon Ingram, he also got hurt. Isn't that one good, too? His little knee hurt. And then we also have the fun two combo of my centers, Nick Claxton and Jared Allen. Yeah, neither of them played. So it's just uh, been a fun time over here in Jake Land on his fantasy team. But I'm winning. I'm beating you right now currently, Zolfi. So if you lose, that's pretty embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. He won't hey, lose. I'm beat place today. I think... Yeah, I, I think I have a good shot with Embiid playing, but I will say you, your Jared Allen point almost looks better because he hasn't been playing. You said you put him in there because he's great defensively. The Cavs defense, which was great last season, looks awful right now. And the main thing is Jared Allen isn't playing. So I think Defensive when he comes back, anchor. the team will get markedly better. Yeah, he's actually been that for them, clearly, based on this. Nick Claxton is another guy who a lot of people are saying is going to be a stud defensively, and he's been hurt too, so... Yeah, you're reeling right now, and for some reason, like always, the near 40-year-old guy is carrying your squad, which is still insane to think LeBron James can do that, but he is he is LeBron James. It's Honestly, it's Scotty Barnes. <laughs> he's fantasy rank 7. I don't know, like, that is... He's carrying all my 9-cat care and Steph Curry. He's rank 3. And then uh, Isaiah Quickly, please, please do something. Please help me out. I, I need he's- you. He's so bad, I you called him the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I'm Emmanuel quickly. Please, I need you to do something. He's ranked like 140. I, hello, don't make me cry even more that Spencer picked Desmond Bain. Yeah, Dylan Brooks is 68. Jake, you could have Dylan Brooks. <sighs> I could have. <laughs>
And then yeah, Dan won. So Spencer, yeah. did you did you give your loser for the week? It's it's Orlando it's Orlando fans. I, I was it. gonna you really say it. Phoenix, but that's way more fun to just rip on Orlando fans. I you know Twitter, how much Twitter crap I had to read last year about how Scotty Barnes sucks and like even Jalen Green's better, they would say. That's what I was hearing. So I'm I'm I had to say it. I like the description of Jalen Green is sus, as Zolfi said. Am I wrong? We've all seen the videos. We have seen it. Like, yeah. Also, not to toot my own horn here, but uh, we didn't actually recap the poll for the final vote. Or, uh, yes. Uh, I, no, so. can we not do that? I don't want to do that. We should do that when Dan's here, right? Yeah, definitely. We okay. should definitely save that for another week. There's yeah, let's no push that back. Let's know. push that back. No one needs to know that. They just know yeah. we're doing we'll, fantasy we'll now. That's all that Dan. matters. Yeah, Check we'll out wait. the results on Twitter. That's all I'll say. Check out the poll. That's all I'm saying. We should you know, post our fantasy results every poll. week. <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, we should. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, we should. I don't know why we didn't think of that. So there you go. No. You guys heard our brain working on the pod live. We will be posting our fantasy results every week, so you guys can keep up with it. And uh, how are you guys feeling? You think that's a good spot to stop? I think so. I think we covered everything. Yeah, we got everything in the NBA. The NBA is fun. It's crazy. It's wacky. Basketball's back, baby. It's only about to get even more wacky. The in-season tournament starts on Friday, so we will get you guys our thoughts on that next week when we see the first couple games. The courts are out. I'm not a fan of a lot of the courts, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm sure we'll talk about that all next week more. So that's going to wrap up this episode. If you guys enjoyed it, if you want to follow us on everything, Spotify, Apple, give us five stars, give us all the loves, leave a comment on Spotify. I didn't know you could do that. So if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. We could read them out on air. Who knows? You could be famous, just like Ezbar Haney or Rashmadani. Be part of the alumni on this podcast if you want to follow me you can follow me at jake underscore schultz six. Oh, and follow the pod on twitter and instagram at dream underscore team pod on twitter dream underscore team underscore pod on instagram zolfi where can they find you you can find me at zolfi underscore shake on twitter and instagram that said you l-f-i underscore s-h-e-i-k-h you can see all my stuff on twitter i'm also writing for raptors republic now too check out my stuff out there. out I am not a hater for the Raptors. I like writing Raptors content. I'm just saying. Congrats on that as well. Spencer, where can they find you? Congrats. Um, they can find me on Twitter at Kloss Talks Sport. That's C-L-O-S-S Talks Sport. Singular because you can't do enough letters. Uh, I, I like to tweet Raptors games and a whole bunch of other sports. So follow me there. All right. That about wraps it up for this week. See you guys next week. Peace.